it's basketball season and we've got you covered. The Ringer NBA show breaks down the latest and greatest around the league five days a week. Check out The Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, The Ringer FC. I'm Mr. Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Good, good, good. How was your weekend? Good, good, good. Already we a, a lot of goods there. Well, yeah, I'm trying to. <laughs> you know what it is? If my tone is slightly fast on this podcast, it's because I'm suddenly aware of the sheer, uh, the mountain of work that lies ahead this week, but no, I'll get through it. Now nah, it's all good. It's all good. No, no complaints. It's a good problem to have. Good, good, good. As How you are would you? Say. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, man. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, study away. Just all eyes on, uh, all eyes on May. Let's get the season done. Let's all eyes on May. Done. All eyes on May. Three months, three and a bit months, I think. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. I'm starting to flag. I could do with a, you know, maybe a few games on the bench. Just got to, got to get through. But you know. It's what it is. Got to do what we got to do. Uh, some admin, quick. You and Carl are going to be on Writer's House this week. And yeah, yeah. It's going to be cool because you guys are going to do the three big Premier League games from Sunday. So you're going to do West Ham Spurs, you're going to do Arsenal, Manchester City, and you're going to do Manchester United, Newcastle, all on Wrighty's house. Yeah. And probably the Leicester game, I imagine you'll touch on as well because it's Villa Leicester. Of course, technically all the games are big games. Yeah, exactly. Ah, yeah, uh, yeah. Other bits of admin, it's, it's video game week on The Ringer. So go to theringer.com, check out the stuff they've got lined up for video game week. If you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. It would be much appreciated. I think that's it for admin. So today we're going to, where do you want to start? Should we start with the Merseyside Derby? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Carlo Ancelotti's Toffees got their first win at Anfield in 22 years. The year that Manchester United won the treble. The last century. The last century, yeah. A thoroughly impressive 2-0 win over Liverpool on the weekend. It was Liverpool's fourth straight home defeat. 
Where to begin? With Everton. Yeah, you were quite impressed with the, the lineup, weren't you? I was I impressed agree. with the lineup, the setup. So they played, Everton played with a 3 5 1 1. It was clever. I the thing I loved about this was it gave full room for self expression for players at Andre Gomez, but also allowed protection. Um, and you pointed out, actually, you know, we were talking about this and how it, these, these wing backs allowed, you know, Dean and uh, Coleman allowed them to track Liverpool and really close off their width. And they turned, they almost forced Liverpool inside and Liverpool looked less comfortable on the interior than Everton did. Ducure was there to an extent as a spoiler. Um, uh, Davies and Gomez doing more of the creative work. I thought Tom Davies was amazing, by the way. Yeah, they worked beautifully. I thought Gomez as well. You know, a couple of moments where maybe could have released ball slightly quicker in his own area, but in the final third, really, really great. And the kind of the Gomez of Valencia, the Gomez that attracted Barca to sign him is shining back through now, which is really exciting. And then, of course, Hamas Rodriguez and Richarlison. Richarlison, quite nice when he gets centre stage because he does a lot of very unselfish work for Calvert-Lewin when they play together. He pulls mm. wide a lot. Pulls wide, plays almost as a kind of inside forward and here playing as the kind of orthodox nine. And the opening goal, to be honest, was gorgeous, like Kabak getting exposed, outthought. And this is the problem when you have, you know, it's easy to criticise Kabak when you've got elite playmakers and elite finishers up against you. When you've got Richarlison and Hamas Rodriguez making running behind you, in a different universe, those two are playing at like Real Madrid together. Mm. And this is no disrespect to Everton. This is a compliment to Everton. Everton attracting footballers of the calibre of Richarlison and Hammers, and, yeah. and Hammers and hang on to them and making them look great. I have a lot of sympathy for Kabak because he was he was really good against Leipzig, probably man of the match. Mm. Or definitely his best performance in his few that he's had at Liverpool. Mm-mm. But it must be so difficult just getting plucked and put into a very patchwork Liverpool defensive setup at in a Merseyside anyway. derby. In a Merseyside yeah, derby. And in a Merseyside yeah. derby, I think that you thought you, I thought the thing that you said about the lineup was really interesting from an Everton point of view because, like you said, it gave Everton way more protection against Salah, Mane, and then mm. Trent and Robertson. Yeah. And just hit Liverpool where they're at the most vulnerable at the moment. I know there's a, you did many, many years ago, was it like eight, nine years ago, the Man City Death Star analogy, but Liverpool this season, I think, are very, they've had so many troubles at centre back and so much unfamiliarity. Yeah, unfamiliarity, even the kind of submitting the width to them, yeah, and just hitting them straight down the middle. I think is a really smart move from people because they have a dysfunctional midfield at the moment that's caused by having to pull people like Jordan Henderson back into centre back position, who they lost after half an hour with a hamstring injury. Unbelievable, right? I think the thing about this is that because of the weight of the victory, in my opinion, it's really important to to kind of break this down into little sections. It's a gigantic win for Everton. Yeah. Any win at a ground that you've not won for 22 years has to be a gigantic win. Carlo Ancelotti deserves a load of praise for the way he managed the game as well. He brought Dominic Calvert-Lewin on at just the right time, I thought, and took Hammers off, remember? Mm. Brought on Kofi yep. Sigurdsson, which is brave. Yeah, I mean, maybe before we kind of dissect the Liverpool side of it, Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin linked for, the, for what became the penalty for... Everton's second goal. So it was really, it was, I mean, both subs involved in the, in the second right towards the end. Calvert-Lewin winning the penalty, Sigurdsson putting it away. I thought it was a penalty. I couldn't really understand that there was any debate against it. I think it's a subtle one. I think when you, when you see Calvert-Lewin go down, a lot of people aren't watching for the trading leg that mm. Trent Alexander-Arnold sticks up 
mm. and leaves up. And it's funny because it's, it's notable that there's a slightly sheepish expression on his face when they're looking at the kind of VAR. He's like, yeah, I got, I got caught my hand in the cookie jar there. You can yeah. see it. It's naughty. It's not like an outrage. It's like, ooh, I might It was one of those, this. like, he was really lucky, but also really unlucky at the same time. Like, he was unlucky to, like, be in that position, get right. hit on the head. But then he does raise his foot to catch him. So in a sense, he's kind of lucky that he didn't get a card because... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. It was like there were two separate like incidents, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, obviously Sigurdsson put it away. Great Everton finish. One, Great two. Yeah, it was nice and calm. Rolled rolled into the corner but that much room for, for error yeah there was a slight moment though where I think Sigerson thinks he's going to be saved that's hilarious like there's a slight like jerk in his body movement he's like oh, oh, God. I, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Everton massively impressive they're away I think that's they're unbeaten away in eight games in the league now I think and their overall record away from home is really good this season they're fourth in the league on away record alone even if their home form had been top half mm. you know, I think they're 15th in terms of the best home record in the Premier League. You know, they'd be really, they'd be right up there. They're level on points with Liverpool now. They have a game in hand on them. I mean, the way that this season's going and the way that we've seen sides quickly put, put together runs and then quickly kind of blow it up, anywhere between like ninth and third for Everton, you'd be like... Possible. I'm intrigued to see who they bring in as well. This is an incentive maybe the board are talking about like who you can attract. If you get European competition of any description... Mm-hmm. Now, Champions League is still a strong thing. It's, 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 a, it's still a bit of um, a tough shout because, you know, obviously the quality of the teams that are in the mix. But even the Europa League qualification would be really attractive at this point. You, know, mm-hmm. you see that Ancelotti hasn't just turned around careers, he's developed careers really well. Like the development of Cavalier has been extraordinary, but also the home that he's found for people like Luca, you know, the way he's developed Lucas Dean, but also specifically James Rodriguez, mm-hmm. not just developed, but kind of given a rebirth, really. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting times for Everton. Really exciting. Really exciting. And sh- shout out to that back three as well, who did a wonderful job they playing were. almost. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. I thought and a lot of work to do. They had like what? They only had thirty percent of the possession. Uh, Everton twenty nine percent. So they were up against it for a long period. But that was also part of the game plan. Yeah, but they still created. That's the thing. It's like they created yeah, yeah. more clear cut chances that Liverpool did. And you think Hammers had that header? I think it was from Hammers for two nil. Mm. Uh, I mean Liverpool's two big chances that I can remember Mane had that header and Salah the one that got smothered by Pickford who was brilliant this is one of the best Jordan Pickford performances I can remember actually because he seemed to be keeping his hype in check yeah yeah. he was a nice equilibrium on the Pickford scale yeah nothing too wild it wasn't too hype can I, can I add this as well into the mix someone's going to like be drinking when, they, when I say this this was a very Atleti performance and specifically when I say Atleti, I mean Atleti Champions League. There was a game, it was actually at home, but you know how Atleti sometimes play home mm. games if they're away games. The numbers actually, now I think about it, were very similar. Dortmund got beaten 2-0 by Atleti in Atleti and Dortmund had 71% possession. I think it's almost the same numbers. And it was exactly the same thing. And Atleti created a very high quality of chance. And it was like almost the concern for Klopp is that Everton managed them. Mm. I think you were saying this before, Everton really manage them and to be honest they would have targeted if, if there was ever going to be a game where you could end that run of, of um, not getting a win in 22, game, 22 years straight it would be against this Liverpool in this condition yeah I mean they're very vulnerable I think that maybe this is a nice segue onto Liverpool because I think that some of the chat around Liverpool I think has been frankly quite wild yeah yeah I don't think this team is done or dead and buried or anything I think you know I wrote a, a tweet 
on Sunday night, just basically saying that it's still wild to me. You know, I saw Graham Sooner saying that what's happened to his club or something like that. And I was like, well, they won the league last year for the first time in 30 years and they won right. the Champions League the year before. And yeah. the thing that's wild to me is that people are, a lot of, and we've gone on about this so much on the podcast, I feel a bit silly even reiterating it, but a number of pundits on TV are kind of still judging or criticising teams and players whilst not acknowledging that they are deep into mental and physical conditions that no professional footballers have ever been in. Right. You know, like, and using Liverpool and Klopp as an example, their injury record this season is kind of unprecedented for, I think, for a defending champion. Yeah. 17, 18 centre-back partnerships now in the yeah. league or just this season alone. And, you know, also you're dealing, you've got a manager there who's, who's still grieving the loss of his mother. It's the worst possible, you know, it's the thing, it's the perfect storm. It's the, yeah, it is the perfect nothing, storm. Actually, no, their, you could, their yeah. metrics, actually, I don't think are, are, that they were maximising their, their metrics last season. And basically they're just, they're not as, they're not, they're not basically like lights out as much as they were. But I think considering the situations, the situation they're in and they've been through, like you said a million times, they just need to get to the end of the season, hopefully get Champions League, regroup. And actually, what people are doing this season is providing Klopp and that squad with a hell of a lot of ammo for a charge next season if they, yeah. can, get, if they can regroup and get everyone fit. Yeah. Yes, they need to tweak some parts of the squad for sure. But I think the thing with Liverpool at the moment, the story is actually more boring than people are letting on. People yeah. are really... People are having their jokes, Ryan. They're having their jokes. They're getting their jokes off, if we're being yeah. real. And that's cool. That's totally cool. And I know that that's part of football culture. I just think at the moment, it's just like, it just feels a little bit like, mm. I don't want to get the beating they're going to hand out next. You know, they're going to hand something. They're going to be handing out some. This is it. I'm saying nothing. I'm, I'm full of sympathy Listen. with all of my Liverpool supporting friends because I don't, want, it, I don't, want, any, come back I don't want any of that smoke. Bite us all in the ass so hard. I want none of that smoke. No, I want to be, I want to be very just like, hey, Remember the shit I gave you? Exactly, I, want, I gave you no I, yeah, shit. I want no parts of this. I want, listen, no. I'm on the road. <laughs> no. I don't want it. I don't want it. None, none. Um, you know, when they, when, when they flip Salah and get Mbappe, Yikes. it's going to be like, sorry, like what was that, now? everyone? How like us now? Yeah. How'd you like them, Mbappe? It's on, it's on some baffles. Baffles. <laughs> 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 um, but again, I'd like to focus on the Everton positives and it's a huge win for them. I'm really pleased for Carlo Ancelotti. I'm really yep. pleased for, for that squad. I'm pleased for their recruitment department because it's going to be a lot easier to sell Everton after this season, I'll tell you that. Like, well, do you know what, it was actually, good before, but this, but it's an international audience, right? Well, if you, that, look around, if you look around how many of the big clubs around Europe really need to sell some players. Right. Go to Everton. Go play with Carlo. Imagine if they, imagine for example, if they, you know, there was talk about Ricky Pooch going on loan. Imagine if they got like Ricky Pooch on loan or like they could snag Pedro for a season or something like that. You I know reckon I mean? they're going to get a really, I reckon, you know, like the Hammers Rodriguez signing. I reckon that was the beginning of something for them. Can you imagine Tony Cross signing for Everton? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Inject it. Oh my goodness. That would be, look, but these things, these things are possible. They're going to get like after Hammers, this was the thing. It was like him going there was such an incredible acquisition. Mm. and now it's like open the door because look how happy he's been look yeah, how he's and, playing and the thing is Everton have money because the Premier League has money the Premier League right. has more money than any other league consistently and yeah. deeper in Europe right so for example what flippable assets do Barcelona really have not many right in terms of like that would generate genuine genuine cash like 50-60 million plus right right 
And I know this is a bit like random, but for example, Everton could, in theory, drop 50 million on Marc-Andre Stegen. They could yeah. do. They, they could, could actually do, yeah. do it. Yeah, and if could. you think, as much as um, I feel weird about this because Pickford's just had his best game in a while, but imagine if all of a sudden you had Marc-Andre Stegen in goal or you picked up someone like Savage from Atleti to put, yeah. put him in there. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. That's, a, that's legit. This could be like... Three straight Champions Leagues. <laughs> Has anyone ever won the Champions League wearing Hummel? Not the Champions League. Maybe the European Cup. Not the I might have to go in. If anyone, if anyone remembers, drop us a tweet. I'll, I'll go and look after this. After maybe recorded, maybe the European but... Cup, not the Champions League. Not in its well, no, no, including European Cup. Okay. That's I, reckon there's a bit, I reckon there's been a few Cup Winners Cups or UEFA Cups as Hummel, with Hummel. Yeah. But maybe not. Euro- I can't European no, Cup. I can't remember European Cups. Not mm. off the top of my head. Anyway, let's move on to another game from the Premier League, which was Southampton won, Chelsea won. It's the other game that we're gonna cover. Good point for Southampton. Stop that run. Yep, very good. I think they did mm, Gorgeous goal by Minamino. It was a lovely goal. Arsene Wenger called him an artist. Yeah, so actually uh segue reminiscent of I would say uh Fiorentina era Roberto Baggio, I would say. I was wondering how it took finish. us that long to get a mention in there. Baggio, Baggio mentioned. Listen, do you know what? I give the people what they want. Chelsea looked, well, they, don't, they dominated the ball and just looked very toothless in front of it. 71% possession to Southampton's 29. Passed them off the park as usual. It's their first draw since Tuchel's opening game against Wolves and they're unbeaten under, under Tuchel. But there's some little groans of discontent coming out and they have been actually, I think, since... It's the first game, actually. Well, okay, so Tuchel, Ziyech has been on the bench since Tuchel arrived, which seems, which is interesting to me. He seems like a big fan of Mason Mount, who gives him the intensity pressing that you'd expect. But then also, I think the, the, the headline here from this game is um, not the fact that Mason Mount's on penalties, which is intriguing in itself, but the fact that Hudson-Odoi comes on, Callum Hudson-Odoi comes on at halftime, he gets taken off mm. after half an hour. And then Tuchel comes out, doesn't only do that, he comes out and says, no, it wasn't about injury, it's about attitude wasn't quite right, intensity wasn't quite there in terms of what he gave us, you know, and then when you see the bars, like, that's a really humiliating thing to do. Yeah, I wonder why, because he clearly loved him at the beginning. Well, again, that we're saying, like, maybe he does love him, but maybe tough this love. is like his, this love. is his whole thing, because I mean, here's the thing about Ziyech, I mean, what's more humiliating being subbed on, then subbed off, or being on the bench like Ziek is having been the team's primary creator just before his arrival. And how does Ben Chilwell feel? Ben Chilwell can't get a game because Chilwell is maybe not as good a wing back as Alonso. Alonso is certainly not as good a left back as Chilwell is. But Chilwell's done nothing. He's done nothing wrong. He's just come in and ended up in the wrong formation for it. Mm, I think there's a process there with Tuchel. I think that he's trying to make them hard to beat. Of course, and then absolutely. You can add the flavor on top, you know. It's like, yeah, yeah. And I think that at the moment, the back three kind of worked because they're not, not exceeding a lot of goals. And if it right. if it keeps working, then it keeps working. But I think this is also framed by the fact that Pulisic was out, Havertz was out, Thiago Silva was out. Um, I think if all those, all three of those are available, then maybe it shifts his thinking a little bit. And he is still experimenting with that squad, but. I mean, I actually think they got away with one this weekend, Chelsea, mm. because I don't think it would have been harsh to see 
one of, if not both, of Kante and Werner sent off before half time. Mm. I think both those tackles were really nasty and they went to, whether they were intentional or not is another matter. I don't think they were, but still, they both went to VAR and neither of them was shown a card. And poor Gineppo got both of them. Studs on his shin pad. I have to admit, I was quite confused as to why nothing really happened there. Mm. Now, obviously, if one of them gets sent off, then it changes the phase of play and, well, it changes the complete knock-on effect from the game and then probably the other one doesn't get sent off. But Mm. Chelsea going down to 10 men at that point would have been really interesting. Right. You never know how that game might have panned out. No, true, true. So I do think they were quite lucky, despite only getting a point. I do think they were lucky. Just glad for Southampton as well, because this was, um, they needed to stem the tide a little uh, Mm. after they've they've had a tough run recently, obviously. Mm. Play some decent and Gineppo like you know he's had his own journey with injury as well so great to see him back in the mix yeah. they've got Leeds on Tuesday which should be a fun game Leeds are coming off the back of that Wolves result 1-0 they lost to Wolves on Friday uh, Burnley drew 0-0 with West Brom Fulham got a point over Chris Wilder's Sheffield United Chris Wilder mm. came out and said he hates lefties yeah yeah oh, oh, that's well. a shame oh thought we'd get on well <laughs> yeah well are we, are we lefties I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know. What do you want to be? A centrist? Are you a centrist? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Big centrist dad energy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, not bring that energy at all. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, You're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Simmons. All right, man. Let's go to Milan. Let's do it. The Derby della Madonnina. The third one in... What, last month? Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, oh boy. Vibes. Oh boy, oh boy. Subtexts within plots, within whatever. Um, now there was this- a distinctive lack of shit-talking from a certain Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's not, tweeted, he's not tweeted, has he, since the, uh, since the result. How interesting. Um, so Milan beat, beaten 3-0 by Inter. Hmm. Uh, Open score early. Yeah, this was a this was a demonstration. Two goals from Lautaro Martinez, one from Lukaku, an assist from Lukaku, two assists for Ivan Perisic. Yes, a gorgeous team goal for Inter second. Inter really asserting themselves. Milan's best chances, somewhat tellingly, coming from fairly static situations. So Mm. two brilliant headers from Ibrahimovic turned aside by equally brilliant saves from Handanovic. And I think this was the story really for Milan and Inter that. Milan really struggled to create chances of a high quality. 
and Inter basically had the run of that midfield. Again, playing a similar formation to um, Everton, a 3-5-2. Mm. And that front two of Latar Martinez and Lukaku just works beautifully. It's one of the best combinations in world football. Alongside, they have such a good understanding. Yeah, it's alongside the Sancho Holland and Richarlison Calvert-Lewin in the same level of like players that just utterly understand each other. And when they're on, like we've, we've mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I think about how Lataro looks like he's really benefiting from not there being not much talk around him this season. Yeah. But the way that when they're on, they just torch teams. They can absolutely brutal. torch teams. And this, this felt like a real, felt like a real moment of the season. Yeah. You know, after going top last week, extending their lead at the top this week, the four points and kind of, without sounding too violent, but like absolutely demolishing Milan. Yeah, they just overwhelmed them. Yeah, That yeah. third goal in particular. Well, I mean, the first goal was great, I thought. Lovely assist from Lukaku to Martinez. The second one, I thought, was quite picturesque. And mm. Christian Eriksen, I tweeted about it. Christian Eriksen does this amazing slight delay on the pass where he lays it to Perisic, so it just completely does Calabria. Mm. And buys Perisic the space to cross it for Lataro. And it's a really subtle, small thing, but it's in the motion of a normal passing movement so it's just just hanging that leg back ever so slightly it's really clever and yep. it completely throws Calabria and opens up the rest of that that move but then we obviously have the moment the third goal from Lukaku which I mean pfft, watching that live felt like a real moment it was it was because he'd almost it was almost like the crescendo of his performance He'd been leading the line, giving Romagnoli a terrible time. And then this was the kind of crowning moment where he receives on the halfway line, surges forward about 40 yards, sets it up with his right foot, his wrong foot. And then just, it was funny because the, the strike into the bottom corner, it felt like Henri's strike against um, Spurs. Ooh. You know, the way he finishes it when he like glides past two defenders top of the box and slides in the corner. It's, a, it's like when Henri hits that ball, still quite hard. Like he, mm. it's traveling at quite a speed, but because of his run, because his run is so fast, it looks like the ball's not traveling that quick, but he absolutely laces it. And like, just as the way, just as Henri settled that derby with that goal, Lukaku settled this one and actually settled, the, settled a different conversation, which had been ongoing for two weeks about who really was the top dog striker in Milan. Because Latan initiated that conversation like Lukaku didn't actually begin that argument but he ended it he mm. really ended it yeah and I love the shout out to whoever was the Serie A director that day who cut straight to Zlatan after Lukaku <laughs> scored yeah. Zlatan has now ended the last two Milan derbies on the bench watching Lukaku enjoy his team's victory he started that dynamic and that's not a good look for him but what's a great look for Lukaku in a positive sense is this is a player getting his plaudits. Andy Brassel afterwards was talking about how amazing he was, consistently excellent this season. Um, and when I tweeted about how good Lukaku could be, and I said, this is like, you know, a complete performance. It's obviously a statement victory for Inter, but a statement performance from him. He was like, the funny thing is, that is so commonplace from him now. Yeah. 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 It's too regular. It's, Wonderful. It's, 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 this isn't a fluke. And I also think that, you know, you can, this is an example of a move that just works for a player. Yeah. Um, and I'm really happy for him because he is just such an elite forward. Yes, yes. Who I think has proved that numerous times before. There was a slight brutality to his goal, I think. The goal and the celebration combo. Yes, Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like very, I think also as well, because there was no crowd noise on the feed that I was watching. 
You could it remind me of George Weah against Lazio. George Weah, you know what? I nearly, I nearly texted you about that. Yeah. It really, it really reminded me of that. George Weah against Lazio when he just goes through the heart of the defence and then comes down the touchline and it's just like going. Yeah. Because he knows. He's like, yeah. that was that win, the goal against Lazio in that particular game, was, that was the last minute winner. It's a different context, but that last minute winner was like, I'm that guy. And it was funny because that year there was a bit of a standoff in terms of goals. I think it was between Ware and Batistuta. They're going head to head. Batistuta had more goals, but Ware had more decisive goals. Mm. And this to me was one of those moments where like this, the way he goes to the corner flag and he's like, I'm the guy. Yeah. Like I'm the guy. I told you, I told you I was about it. I'm about that life. That was, that oh, was, some, that was an energy there. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, that definitely yeah. was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know what, yeah. to be honest, it's the kind of thing Check the title is the San Siro this morning and Romelu's name is on it. <laughs> this feels like a different end to this season, huh? Yes. It's a very, it feels like, um, we were saying, it feels like a senior, mm. they were a senior team. You watched them against Milan and Milan looked like, you had like, you know, Tonali there, not quite asserting himself. Kessier was less assertive than he'd been for a while. Not passive, but not, not imposing themselves. Calabria was scrambling. Romagnoli was at sea. I mean, against movement like that, how, how could you not be? But, and the attack was one pace. It just felt like Milan, I felt like I saw Milan's, I'd see Milan's peak this year. Mm. And I don't think I've quite seen Inter's peak, which is good for them because they've got Barella playing beautiful football. And this is a team that's got, you know, since he's been out or, mm. you know, however long, they've just got the options. Hakimi, I mean, Perisic, they, brought, they brought on Sanchez, Gagliardini, Matteo Damian, Ashley Young, Arturo Vidal. Depth, depth, depth. And, Kolarov, D'Ambrosio stayed on the bench. Like, and this team has no European football to distract yeah, them they're, or they're, no they're, cup competitions. Yeah, they're out of the copper. Yeah. So it's, their, it's, it's theirs. They want it. It's really, really theirs. As good as, as good as Serie A is, as competitive it is, there's a path forward for them now, which is really exciting. Roma will be disappointed they couldn't capitalise more on Milan's defeat. They drew nil-nil away at Benevento, which isn't a good result for them. Yeah, a teammate beaten 5-2 before in the previous fixture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it means they are five points behind Milan in third. Um, Atalanta closed the gap on Roma to a point after beating Napoli 4-2. Big result for Atalanta. Yeah, Napoli yeah, yeah. are on a bit of a patchy run of form. They've only won one of their last five, and that was against Juve. I mean, if you're going to win one of five, it might as well be them, but still, you know, point taken, you're right. Yeah. It's been a weird one. Supata opened the scoring after halftime. The first half was actually kind of not a huge amount happened. Mm. Um, Insigne started on the bench, came on in the second. Robin Gosen scored for Atalanta, as did Luis Muriel and Christian Romero, who was involved in a nasty collision. Victor Osiman, he basically is still in hospital. He, went, he was taken straight to hospital in an ambulance mm. and I think he's being scanned for head trauma. Yikes. Um, yeah. He's out indefinitely at the moment. We don't know what. He's definitely out for the next two games, but we don't. That would be the European tie against Granada and the, he'll miss the Benevento game in the league. Uh, but yeah, I just hope Ossiemen's okay. That was a really nasty end to that game. And to be honest, even though the defeat is not what Gattuso wanted, I think that they'll all just be hoping that he's okay. Should we go to Germany? Let's do it. Let's do it. Wow. It was spicy over here, wasn't it? It was. Eintracht beat Bayern 2-1 on the weekend. And with RB Leipzig's win over Hertha BSC on Sunday, 3-0, at the Olympiastadion, it means that if RB Leipzig win all of their remaining games, they will win the Bundesliga. One of them, of course, is against Bayern Munich. Yeah. Let's quickly talk about Eintracht. 
Yeah. Andy Hurt's side are doing really good things at the moment. They're level on points with Wolfsburg, who won on Friday 3-0 against Armenia Bielefeld, and who are not a million miles behind that, that top two. Well, we said, didn't we? We've always said in this podcast that Wolfsburg just have to add goals. Mm. And they've managed to add goals. Renato Stefan is now scoring. They've got depth on the bench. They've got Pongrashic on the bench. Uh, Brekolo, like their previous, it's almost like, you know that year that like Spurs got those upgrades and Ben mm. Taleb went from being the main man in midfield to being like a squad player. It feels like Wolfsburg have done that. They've brought in players who've displaced long-established uh, regulars and they've taken a leap forward, actually. Um, they're less predictable and they're scoring goals in the flow, transition, they're scoring mm-hmm. counter, they're scoring against deep line teams. Before it was like, if Wolfsburg would score twice, you'd be like, I know who scored one or two of those goals and I know those goals came from set pieces or mm-hmm. set plays. Whereas, yeah, they've got a bit more teeth now, but you know, back to Eintracht, so shout out to Wolfsburg, they're doing really well and keeping lots of clean sheets, but back to Eintracht, what's so impressed about them is their range of attacking options now. Mm. And you've said this, like they lost Rebic, Jovic and Haller, mm. but they're getting real creativity from Kamada. They always had it from Kostic, but they're getting it from Yunus as well. Like, mm. so. I love, I mean, Yunus, man. Yeah. What a goal. And, I mean, what a goal. Like, actually, the, <laughs> he nearly had one. Yeah. From the halfway line. Yeah. He tried Neuer from there, which I love that. I love that he did that. I just know what, I really, really wish that had gone in because that, I don't, I can't remember anyone ever doing that to Neuer. Even trying it. I can remember trying it. Yeah, yeah. And it really just, wasn't that far away. And if it no, had been on target, Neuer was in trouble. Yeah. Um, but that's and he was he, on smoke. Eunice, was, he was on smoke after that because he went for one distance as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The goal he scored was an absolute like rocket. And That's one of the goals uh, of the season, actually, that. Yeah. And it was weird, though, because I think Neuer thinks it's going wide because he doesn't dive he, and he kind of pulls his hand away from it. I actually think it's different. I think it stayed hit. You think? I think, it, I think it, you know, there are some of those strikes that get off the ground. It's like the Oliver Kahn, the free kick that, Janino Panambicano scores against Khan in the Champions League, where Khan scrambles for it, but it's already up so high that mm-hmm. he's always chasing it. And I almost feel like Neuer saw that and was like, that's gone. Yeah, that maybe. Sense. Maybe. Yeah. I think, yeah, it feels like it was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and his celebration was lovely. Yeah, yeah. Very touching. So, so for those who explain, for those, for those who don't know, so he runs off and he holds up a shirt holding the name of, I think, Fatty uh, Serachoglu, um, who was one of the victims of a far-right extremist attack in Hanau, the nearby town of Hanau, last year, about a year ago, where basically a far-right extremist bursts into a shisha bar and murders nine people, then goes home, murders his own mother, then turns the gun on himself. And it's just really lovely that they, they showed that solidarity. And Eintracht, you know, their fan base, their ultras have really Mm, they've got really good ultras. Huh? Yeah, the, the ultras and the club as well, the, the club infrastructure, yeah, the board of directors, they've done a really good job in relation to mm-hmm. speaking out against hate. So shout out to them. Yeah, they, I mean, to be fair, like a lot of German clubs and a lot of German fan bases do really good work on That's right, yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Good win for Eintracht. It was a good win for Borussia Dortmund, who needed a win. They beat Schalke 0 fear, fear. Yes, yes, they did. <laughs> God, I feel Porsche, bad. I've Porsche, even done yeah, that. Poor Schalke. I mean, Schalke, Schalke. Are, oh man. I mean, uh, anything other than a Dortmund win here would have been hugely disappointing because this isn't the derby that it was a couple of years ago. No, no. It's a shame that we'll lose it with Schalke almost certainly going down this year. But it came on the week or the week of 
the sec- the two year anniversary of Schalke's tie with Manchester City in the Champions League. Wild, yeah. And actually, I was at the game that was probably the last best, or the last really good derby. Uh, I think it was April, March or April. It was April 2019 when Schalke beat Dortmund 4-2 at the Westfalenstadion. Dortmund then went and drew it Werder the following week and blew the league. And Schalke ended up staying up thanks to Hub Stevens's superpowers. <laughs> Super Hub. The first half hour or so of this game was not great, actually. It wasn't a particularly fun game to watch. I think Sancho had one shot and that was the only shot on target before he got his goal a few minutes before halftime. And then right on the stroke of halftime, he assisted Holland's horizontal mid-air scissor kick that was beautiful. Extraordinary. It's kind of like, yeah, Van Basten. I've compared this. I mean, I'm obsessed with Van Basten, of course, but um, for those who are old enough to remember it, Van Basten's overhead kick against Gothenburg in the 1992 European Cup, as it then was. Where, and the reason I compare it to that is very similar in terms of body shape, technique, and the placement of the volley. So the Van Basten one bounces on the six-yard box before going in, and Holland does something similar with it. Mm. It's all, this is the thing, he aims that. It's he's not so much- a, He's a unicorn, yeah. man. He's yeah, a he unicorn. Is. It's extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a total yeah. unicorn. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't think of anyone who has been that well-rounded in terms of that body shape. That early position at 20 years old. Can't remember it. Well, well, actually I can. I mean, that's the Brazilian Ronaldo. Oh, actually that's a point. But I, I think, but he, I still think he was way scrawnier than Holland was. Oh, he was age. just, yeah, it's funny. I mean, this is, here's the weird thing. Hall, yes, physically. The early Ronaldo was exceptionally powerful, even when he seemed skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. In terms of the sheer physical presence, Holland has a greater physical presence. Like we, have, we haven't seen this. I certainly haven't seen this in football. And to be honest, I'm sure that older fans will be like, there was a guy like John Charles or something yeah. like that. I'm sure there'll be some, but, but we haven't seen this for like in 60 years. In my lifetime, I can't, yeah. I can't think of anyone who has his skill set at that age. We haven't had one. I don't think no. we've had one, no. Guerrero got the third on the hour mark. Love, this was a lovely goal. One-two with Mark, Marco Royce and then side foot into the corner. Guerrero, who shouts to Luis Ambrose, pointed out, and rightly in my opinion, is probably Dortmund's player of the season. Very consistent, Rafa Guerrero. And often goes a little bit under the radar, I think, because of Dortmund's young guns. Mm. Bellingham came on just after that for the Julian Brandt and got booked two minutes later for absolutely scything down Sid Glasenach, who then got so pissed off that he went and took down Matteo Mori and got booked himself. To feel something. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Bellingham set up Holland's second. Uh, it was a lovely goal there. Sancho to Bellingham, Bellingham to Holland, Holland in. And then Holland does this like celebration where he comes bowling over to him. Like yeah. a big kind of like, like a big monster. Arms out kind of like, and then just like picks him up. Um, and it's really funny how it's weird because like Sancho and Holland are kind of like the older brothers to Gio and Jude. Yeah. Holland and Sancho are only 20, but they're already like more senior members of the squad. So the point where, when Marco Royce went off, Sancho got the armband. And Royce is, must be quite nice for Royce because he's playing some really nice stuff at the moment. Uh, Royce, is pretty, yeah, Royce is playing well. I he's think. playing some nice, yeah, his mm-hmm. last couple of games in particular, like creatively does some really cool things, but like so nice for him seeing that transition, being very much a part of the team, obviously, but also just seeing what's coming through. And, you know, with all the challenges that Rose will have at Gladbach, this is a really exciting appointment, I think. If he can get a chance to work with these players, if they hopefully don't leave, this is the big if. If some of them don't, you know, don't leave for whatever reason, financial reasons, um, 
for Rose to get to work with this crop, I'm excited. Actually. Yeah, me too. I mean, they, they seem to really be having fun uh, when they're there. Do you know what I mean? They seem to, there was a lot of like, hey, a B4B after the game and a lot of like crest hitting and all of this kind yeah. of stuff. Speaking of Gladbach, they lost to Mainz 2-1 on the weekend. First time Mainz have been Gladbach for ages, I believe. That's a horrible result. Uh, that was a really poor result. Gladbach are not in good form at all at the moment. Yeah. And um, that's a poor result ahead of their Champions League game against Man City this week. And if they're not careful, they could be blown away before the second leg. Yeah. That's not a good time to be playing Man City. Not in this form. It's not good. It's the first time Mainz had beaten Gladbach in the league since January 2016. Yikes. Mm. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Right, man, let's go to League R. Let's do it. Monaco beating PSG in the Parc de Prince 2-0 on Sunday night, thanks to Sofiane Diop opening the scoring after just six minutes. And Guillermo Maripan got the second just after halftime. It was a really good goal, actually. Mm. PSG obviously had that trip to Barcelona in midweek, and you know they've got a lot of injuries. No Neymar, no Di Maria, no Juan Bernat. Marco Verratti started on the bench, and Herrera came in. But they had all of the ball. Mm. But Monaco hit them on the break quite quite well I thought I think I, I, I really like Verratti as a 10 I prefer Verratti as a 10 than as a 6 I just like him higher up the pitch um, and for whatever reason he was absent but I really like the creativity he gives in midfield especially when you've got a front three where you have you know as we were saying before the absence of those two playmakers missing Neymar missing Di Maria so you have Mbappe Icardi and Kane and that's asking a lot of the, the wide forwards in that formation mm. you know if you look at that midfield Paredes Idrissa Gay and Herrera you look at that and go that's manageable mm. like, that's not going to that's not going to blow me away with intricate passing movements there'll be some industry there there's some power there's some pressing but I don't see that much guile well the Paredes has been okay this season I think he has, no, he's, no he's don't get me wrong don't get me wrong but like it, it's the, it's the Liverpool problem, isn't it? You've got when Adam Thiago, Curtis Jones, like only one of those is like a surging runner, really, in terms of that, you know, that, that elite surging runner. And the same again with PSG. It's just, I don't see a huge change of pace in that midfield. 
And but that's again not to like denigrate on monocoding because Monaco, even their bench is stacked. You've got like Golovin on the bench, Fabregas, Jovetic, and that's just, you know, you've got strong options on the pitch. Uh, Sofian Diop is back from loan. Mm. Uh, and he's been brilliant. Kovac is developing him really well. Mm. And Monaco have got pieces. And this is the thing, this league uh there's no no jokers in there. I do think PSG looked better when Verratti came on and Rafinha. Oh yeah. No, of and course. I do like Rafinha, but I think that if for a club of the resources of PSG, I think that they've not managed the post Champions League final transition that well. Obviously they didn't really replace Thiago Silva. Marquinhos is great, but mm. they can be got at, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that to be fair to Monaco, it could have been three. Kevin Follin missed an absolute sitter of a header. And it was just a well-managed game, I think, from Monaco and uh, Niko Kovac. And it means they're only two points behind PSG in the table. PSG aren't in an automatic Champions League qualification spot either. They're a point behind Lyon. And they're four behind Lille now after Lille won on the weekend. So PSG aren't going to fall out of the top four. But Champions League for them next season is by no means guaranteed at the moment, which is frankly wild. Yeah, unbelievable. You were saying something quite interesting about how, before we were recording, about Mbappe. Philippe said this at Philby176, who follows French football extremely close along with Jeremy Smith. And something she flagged up about how you have a good fullback and help. You can isolate him. But this almost feels like when Martial was United's main dribbling out, out on the left flank against Liverpool, they would just like crowd him with three players. So Mbappe is a victim of that to an extent. But he's mm. also like, it's important for people to remember that he has also had like a patchy few months. He scored this amazing hat-trick against Barca, but you know, he really struggled with the Champions League for a while. Yeah, and he's not been yeah. lights out in the league either. Yeah, yeah. Actually, he, has, he's, he struggled before Christmas for a while. And here's the thing about PSG as well. You have a target on your backs. Every single team gives you their absolute best. Mm. Like Lorient got blown away for one at the weekend, but they overcame PSG. And mm. the intensity... They'll come at you with, you know, because Lorient will now be like, we beat the mighty PSG mm. with Neymar in the team. I mean, that's, that's now history for them. That's like one of the greatest victories in their recent, recent history. Recent history. Sure, yeah, yeah. Re- yeah, recent history. Yeah, certainly. So it's, um, you know, the Rebel Alliance is united against PSG at the moment and um, they've got some issues to work out. But I think that for Monaco, Monaco, they want to be around that top four conversation. And to be honest, yeah, they yeah. want to be back in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. They don't have any European competition this year. And I think that's helped them in a very condensed schedule. Any rest that you can get anywhere is huge. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's worth keeping an eye on because I don't think that that top three is anywhere near set in stone. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Speaking of, um, I don't know what I'm speaking about. I was trying to make a segue then. I, I couldn't think of one. Let's just go straight in. Let's go straight in. Let's go, just, let's just go to La Liga then. Why do I have let's to be go. clever about it, Musa? Let's See, this it, is what yeah. happens when I try to be clever. And it's, I'm not very clever. Uh, so we just go straight to La Liga. Uh, oh, Atleti, man. Atleti have had a bad week. They have. After dropping points to Levante midweek, they lost them at the Wanda on the weekend. 2-0. First goal was down as a Hermoso own goal after taking two deflections. I think the first one came off hockey. Yeah. Second one... Hmm. I mean, to be, to be fair, before we go on to the second one, I think they had chances. Jao Felix had a couple of chances when he came on. He did from close in as well. Yeah, yeah, Thomas Lamar came on and had a couple of chances that were from a little bit further out, but we still had a little bit of zip on them. Yeah, that lead at the top now is looking very precarious. They gave that away. They've handed that away. 
especially because Real won not a great game against Valladolid. And to be honest, I think we're a little bit lucky to close the gap at the top to just three points. Atleti have obviously got that game in hand. Barcelona have got a game in hand over Real Madrid, but they're five points behind Real. The second goal, the killer one for Levante, was right at the end when Oblak went up for the corner. So we had the, the amazing scene of Oblak going up for the corner. The even better scene of Oblak chasing back from the corner. <laughs> yeah. But in between that, I think Atleti had a shout for a penalty. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oblak gets bundled over. And once the goal goes in, he's talking to the ref. He's like, look, I got pushed, I got pushed. And even though it probably may have been a little bit soft, I still kind of think it was a penalty. I'm trying to think of a penalty or being given in a situation where there was a scrum like that. I just think it's such a kind of tangle of bodies that scrutiny falls off a bit. There's just so much to monitor. It's hard to catch everything. Mm. Like, and if, especially if no one's flagged it, like, cause you know, those VAR things happen if someone's flagged it, but there was just so much going on in the mix. Maybe that was it. Because you know, even if watching from the stands or watching from TV, you have a slightly different view of it. Well, at first I was like, something's happened there. And then right, they showed right. the replay and I was like, mm. yeah, not good look. But the great finish from De Frutos, it's almost like a sort of, a, like watching oh, him roll a strike. Lovely. Yeah. Watching him roll a strike the way it curved in the last minute. No, it was like, it was like an old school, like crown green bowls. Yeah, yeah. Okay, better. Even Crown better, green yeah. bowl and just a nice like... Oh, beautiful line like, on it, beautiful yeah. Beautiful angle. It just curves around at the end. Yeah. Well weighted. Yeah. Um, that's a really, really bad result for Atleti. Horrific result. But yeah. Levante can do this. They're not, like we said the other day, they're, they're a weird side, but they're not a bad side. No, they're not clowns, no. Shout out to Kadith who got a point at the new Camp with a penalty right at the end. In three league games this season against Barca and Real Madrid that they've played, they are unbeaten taking seven points. They've beaten both of them and they drew against Barca. Superb, superb stuff. Barca got, um, the, their match started fairly well with a gorgeous penalty for Messi. There's a great moment with the Cadiz keeper just kneels in sort of disconsolate prayer. When he sees the ball going past him, he's just kind of like, oh no. Not again. <laughs> he's the, he's the, the penalty is so beautiful. It's like Messi's rolled it. You know what it looks like? Messi's penalty proceeds into the net as elegantly as a red carpet being rolled out. Oh, look at that. You see it, you know, the, way the way the ball is like, yeah. <laughs> there he is. There's the poet. Where have you been for nearly an hour? God. <laughs> oh, God. Are we going to get any gems out of Musa's day or what? <laughs> no, there he goes. Unfortunately, that was the high point of, um, of Barca's day, as it turned out. Mm, they had a couple of chances there. There was that one that Messi laid off for Griezmann, which I think he should have shot instead, mm. gathered by the keeper. And he, Messi had another volley Say Messi is a pass first striker. No. Okay. He's, he's, ah. not, he's not in anything. He's just, no, he's just a Leo Messi. It's true. There was another one in the second half. Uh, I think it was a volley that Messi had, which I think he probably would have done or ex- would have wanted to do better with. But Barca looked a little bit flat and Cadiz have upset a few people this season. So. Mm, oh, actually, is. before I forget, shout out to um, Jumping Across, Real Sociedad against um, Alaves, mm. a hat-trick for Alexander Isaac. And he's on a tear at the moment. Do you know what's changed with him? You know, we said, I think before a few weeks ago, that the one thing with him is he's slightly tentative with the finish. Mm-hmm. There's times when he doesn't like, he'll take a touch before shooting. It's just tiny adjustments. And like, once he sorts that out, he's sorted it out. That's the thing. He has everything. Mm. And actually, funny enough, it's a kind of like a Calvert-Lewin thing where he had a complete game apart from the finishing touch, which sounds like an obvious thing, but it's, it's often a thing that you can't add finishing. You're a natural finisher, but you can learn it, actually. It's like mm-hmm. anything else. Isaac and Calvert-Lewin have found their confidence in front of goal. 
and it's really exciting because his up his peak is not in sight. His I mean, peak is not in sight. It's a good yeah. result for Lareal considering they got hammered by Man United in the week. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, just very quickly, this She Believes Cup's going on at the moment. USA, Argentina, Canada, Brazil. Brazil beat Argentina 4-1 in the opening game. USA beat Canada 1-0 in the second game thanks to a Rose Lavelle goal. A little bit of hoo-ha about who's standing and who's kneeling at the moment. Mm. Um, I'd recommend going and following Meg Linehan, who covers women's football. The Athletic is really great. Uh, she's covering this tournament as well. But yeah, Canada beating Argentina in the early hours of this morning after the USA beat Brazil 2-0 thanks to Kristen Press goal, opened the scoring after 11 minutes. And Megan Rapino came on and made it two just before the end. So the USA are top of the table, maximum points, not yep. conceded a goal. And they face Argentina on, well, it's Thursday our time. The Both games, the final round of games are on Wednesday, US time. The USA one is in the early hours of the morning for us. Uh, Canada face Brazil. So keep an eye on the She Believes Cup. Good tournament. It's always really good, actually. Yep. Um, before we go, actually, quick thing. Another week, another tweet from Okwanga. Really? No, surely not. This time, going after Jaden Sancho. Not at all. Not at all. I don't remember that. Mr. Okwanga says, Jaden Sancho would compliment Bruno Fernandes or Fernandes. And Marcus Rashford so well in attack. First of all, no shit. That's Musa. a really, yeah, I thought it was a really great hypothetical, actually. I responded saying Musa. What a great hypothesis that was, Musa, as I think you meant. No, I think I said just said Musa. You responded saying, you're never quitting this app. I will never, I will never And quit. I responded saying, I'm going to report every single tweet from now on until they boot you off it, because I'm sick That's... of this. <laughs> and then the Ornacle, David Ornstein dropped his athletic column this morning saying United cool on Sancho. Do they cool on Sancho because he's happy at Dortmund? I don't know and I don't I wonder- care. As long as you leave them alone, that's fine. Leave the Bundesliga boys alone, please. I love that you think I have that power. I'm flattered. Yeah, well, I don't. I just don't like you putting ideas out there. That's leave true. them all alone. Here's an idea that's going out there later this week. What are you doing? I'm doing an essay about Pele or okay. the ringer. Is he, so is he going to Man United? Is that another thing? Well, possibly as a yeah. ambassador, global ambassador. No, <laughs> is he going to solve, he's going to give Wolfsburg some backup striking options? Is that your, Wow, wow. Is that okay. where you're going with it? Where are you going with it, Musa? <laughs> 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 you, haven't, you haven't dropped a conspiracy theory for a while. No, there's no conspiracy theories. It's all very there's quiet. Plenty, on the cons- plenty of those around at the moment. And also I'm doing, almost, I'm not doing any more hot takes this week. Really? That's a pledge. You know, I promise, as God is my witness on this podcast, There'll be no footballing hot takes from me. All right, Stadio listeners, you know what to do. You're all such great snitches. Make sure that if you see a Musa Okwanga hot take. Yeah. So between this podcast and next Monday, uh-huh. there will no, be no footballing hot takes from me, Your Honour, on Twitter. That's my pledge to you as Stadio listeners. Let's get him, everyone. Let's get him. Footballing leadership you can believe in. God. I'm complaining. Jesus. Oh, God. No. Okwanga <laughs> 2024. Man. I love you very much, but I, I don't believe in you. I'm sorry. I'm starting my campaign for president of FIFA now. A Quango 2024. Oh my God. Just when you thought FIFA was going to be more corrupt. It's announced. It's announced. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> corrupt Wonga. <laughs> With everything that's going on at the moment, right? You somehow managed to drop something even more terrifying than what's facing <laughs> planet Earth right now. Presidential bid. 
god. The worst thing is, you thought this podcast was safe. You're like, we've got to this podcast, no incident. Now a presidential bid. <laughs> this is the thing. You assume no one's listening now, so you just go off. Who's on my executive committee? <laughs> right. On that note, let's get out of here. Um, I'm sorry you had to deal with that, everyone. Um, I hope you're staying safe and well wherever you are in the world, staying happy, staying as positive as possible. Uh, don't forget to check Wrighty's House. will be up on Wednesday. We'll be back on Thursday with Champions League Roundup. If you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. Be very kind. And yeah, don't forget to check theringer.com. Video game week on The Ringer. We're playing out on Genie Barnes. Can't get you off my mind. And until Thursday, stay well. That's great. See you then. episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.